Greetings, creeps, and welcome to Horror Girl Problems, the podcast. Thanks for listening, Mom and Nephew Noah. This week, we are talking about the new Netflix documentary, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. So this is a four-part documentary series. It dropped yesterday, and I plowed through it last night. It centers around the disappearance and then eventually the mysterious death of Elisa Lamb. This one in particular is just super tragic for me. Um, I remember when it happened and I think it's just, it's never left my mind. Anytime I pass by the hotel, I, I think about her and I think about this. I can't say that this documentary was particularly riveting um, or even as riveting as the case itself, but they did handle it respectfully. And I, for me, um, I think that's always my number one concern when consuming true crime. I am a true crime fan, but it's just super important that it's handled respectfully in regards to the victim and the families. And I feel like they did this here. And I actually did get some new information um, that I didn't know before. And that changes my feelings on things a bit. So I suppose I always regarded this as an unsolved case, um, this big looming mystery. And there's just so many weird coincidences surrounding this story that it's just, it's very bizarre. So I guess I always kind of regarded it as, as still unsolved. But after learning some new information in this documentary um, and some of the facts that I didn't know about before, I feel like I'm more willing now to accept and understand uh, the final ruling. My dad is actually a retired homicide detective, so I've talked to him about this, um, trying, trying to give him most of the facts and leaving out uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, but going on what little information I was able to give him, uh, he agreed that there were a lot of bizarre things surrounding it, but said that he couldn't really form an opinion without um, knowing more of the hows and the whys of things and knowing more about the victim and being able to dive into victimology. Which makes total sense, of course, but it was not the answer that I wanted, obviously. For anyone unfamiliar with this case, um, in 2017, Elisa Lam takes a solo trip to California, is doing kind of a little mini West Coast tour to include San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, I believe. While in LA, she stays at the Cecil Hotel, which has a notorious history for some just very dark things happening there. So much so that it was actually the inspiration for Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story Hotel season. My cousin and I actually visited the hotel, just went in and walked around the lobby. I was just curious to see like all of these weird stories. It 100% sounds like this place is just a fucking portal to hell. So we just wanted to go in and just kind of get a feel for the vibe. We were immediately targeted by security asking if we were there because of American Horror Story. I pretended to not know what American Horror Story was, uh, but I think maybe something about my look or my demeanor gave us away. I don't know. I'm also just fucking horrendous at, at being cool if I feel like I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing. I just, I feel like I very much give off this anxious energy. So easy target. Death has just surrounded this hotel throughout the years. Tons of suicides have taken place here. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, spent some time there, uh, as well as another serial killer um, from Germany, I believe. So just a very dark, sordid history surrounding this hotel. So Elise's family reports her missing. 
The police are searching the hotel. They don't really have any leads. Some time goes by and other guests at the hotel begin to complain about low water pressure in their rooms, along with reports supposedly of brown or black water coming out. The water has a funny taste. A maintenance worker goes to check out the water tanks on the rooftop, and that's where Elise's body is found inside one of those water tanks. Before her body was discovered, and this was still being actively investigated as a missing persons case, what really kicked off the frenzy around this is a surveillance video from one of the hotel elevators that was released to the public um, in hopes that somebody would recognize Elisa and be able to provide some sort of tip as to her whereabouts. This elevator video is very bizarre, and when you watch it in the context of a missing girl, and this is the last known footage just before she goes missing, um, it takes on a very eerie feeling. And then when you watch it again in the context of now this girl has potentially been murdered and this is the last footage before possibly a homicide, um, it's just, it's creepy. So this video sort of sparked this frenzy and it goes viral online. And what happens is people start filling in the blanks. So you get all of these different kind of conspiracy theories. And to be honest, even as a skeptic, there's so many bizarre elements of this and weird coincidences, I guess you would call them, synchronicities, that it almost makes you feel like you need to call in Mulder and Scully because there's some weird shit going on, you know? And some of these theories are more believable than others, obviously, but I'm not going to dive into them because I'm assuming that either you watched the documentary or you're going to go and watch the documentary after this. Um, So I'm not going to dive into that. The documentary will go in depth of all these different theories. And there are also a couple that I didn't know about. As as obsessed as I got with this case, there were a couple of theories um, that I didn't know and that kind of, they, they were kind of feasible The final ruling on this case on the coroner's report uh, was accidental drowning. And that never quite sat well with me. I wasn't satisfied with that. Um, There was just so many strange elements surrounding this that I thought that somehow foul play must be involved. Not on the level of like deep conspiracy theories and cover-ups, but just on the most simplistic level of foul play. And I think that's part of the reason this one was so terrifying to me, this, this case as a whole is the concept of something awful happening to you and the person who did it just gets away with it. And not only because they just don't catch the person, but there's an assumption that there was no foul play involved, so this person isn't even being hunted down. Like, that's that's a really scary concept. But being presented with new facts and being given access to new pieces of evidence that I had never heard before, it actually starts to make sense um, as to why the coroner ruled the way that he did. And I think the thing about that is that it just fucking is possibly even darker than all of the conspiracy theories combined. But even with that, even looking at this evidence and saying, okay, I understand why it was ruled this way. This is still the one case, like if I could have the answer to any case, it would be this one. It did certainly break my heart. And while it is not the best true crime documentary I've ever seen, um, it's still informative. Like I said, new pieces of information that I hadn't heard before. It's interesting enough. And most importantly, it is respectful. Still feeling quite down about it, actually. I mean, it's obviously very dark material. Um, 
kind of just makes you, by the end of it, I mean, I don't know if this will be your experience as well, but it just feels a little bit like deflated, you know, like someone let the air out of you because just, ugh, it's just, it's just such a tragic story. But maybe it will bring some awareness to mental illnesses and change the way that we think and talk about these things. But there is one really cool element. Elisa liked to write and she had an online blog. And while she may not be around to see it, there are a lot of people that read that blog and gain a lot of strength and inspiration from that. So she lives on through her words that she created and left behind for others to find when they need them. And in a very dark, tragic story, that is one silver lining. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the documentary and the case in general. You can call and leave me a voicemail at 323-457-3963. Or if you have any questions or comments about the podcast in general, feel free to call and leave me a voicemail because I love to hear from you creeps. And if you miss my face, do not fret. You'll have plenty of opportunities to see it. I was lucky enough to host three surprise Fango panels this week. Got to talk to some literal horror legends, as well as some very talented folks that are solidifying their future horror legend status. One of those convos is up and live as of this morning, and I think there's two more coming out tomorrow, Friday. So head over to the Fangoria YouTube or the Fangoria socials for a link to those. Check them out. I've had a Patreon page forever, but I've just kind of just let it sit there neglected because uh, I didn't know what to post on it. And then I realized anything that I make, anything that I shoot, I always make too much. For every half-assed cosplay photo I post on socials, I have like 10 more from the same set, but I usually only post like one or two. So that stuff just lives in a graveyard on my hard drive. Um, so I figured, I guess I'll just start posting it onto Patreon. And if people want to see it, they can. Also behind the scenes videos of like, doing weird makeup or makeup removal, just just kind of like hanging out and talking to the camera, I guess, while I'm like prepping this stuff. So yeah, if you're into that, that now exists. I'll be adding to that just as a place for all this stuff to live rather than just being on my hard drives. And if it becomes like a thing, then I'll try to start like putting cool shit on there. Like, I don't know, exclusive watch parties or whatever. I don't know, I'll listen to your suggestions. <laughs> but for now, yeah, it exists. Horror Girl Problems on Patreon. And that's all I got. I'll be posting links to the Fangoria panels over on socials. Also, it's obviously going to be on the Fangoria pages, so you can find it there. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you creeps. And if you're single, so what? Write fucking love letters to your friends. Buy your mom a box of chocolates. Send your aunt flowers. Just let the people in your life know that you love them. I think we could all use a little extra of that this year, so go fucking nuts with it. Be platonically romantic to everyone that you love. I am so excited for the Joe Bob Valentine special tomorrow night. Also, Are You Afraid of the Dark? New season of the reboot is coming back. Maybe I'll have my nephew on to chat about that with me uh, after weekly episodes because that is my shit and I think it'll be cool to experience it through his little eyeballs, you know? As always, thank you so much for listening. Please rate, comment, subscribe. Thank you for your kindness and support. You guys seriously just fucking rock. And I'll catch you next week for some more spooky shit. <laughs>